My name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. In these times of so-called minorities speaking up and demanding to be heard and seen, and the creative industries starting to heed the call, it's opened the doors for artists whose work has been marginalized. Unlike the music world where the masses vote with their dollars, the calibration in arts institutions, magazines, and advertising agencies is still in its very early stages. One such artist photographer with his foot firmly in the door is Micaiah Carter, who seems to have arrived on the public stage fully formed. Fresh out of college at the age of 21, he was already being profiled in Vice magazine as a photographer who knew exactly what he wanted. The precocious Brooklyn resident had his mission statement down, and he hasn't had to change it. I really want my photography to be a quality platform for representation of people of color that hasn't been seen before. He's already been featured in the book and exhibit The New Black Vanguard, Photography Between Art and Fashion. He shot pop stars like Zia and Selena Gomez, and his clients include everyone from Tom Brown, Vanity Fair, Vogue, to you name it, including the Wall Street Journal, Nike, Puma, Adidas, and many more. Welcome, Micaiah. Hey, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So you've done quite a bit already. Ready to retire yet or what? It feels like it sometimes when it gets like really <laughs> intense, but no, I'm really excited about everything that's going on and the opportunities that have been given to me. You're 25 years old now, right? So you're still young. Yes, I just turned 25 in June. So tell me about the new Black Vanguard. What is that all about? That was a book that Antoine Sargent put together along with Aperture for that Vice article. And when I first got out of college, Antoine and me connected, and we always have been close, and he's kind of been watching my work. There was an influx of Black photographers coming out of college during that time, and seeing it come out maybe two years, three years after, in the broad perspective of how the shift is happening in image making today, with not just what is in front of the camera, but also what is in the back of the camera. It was a really nice book that showcased the world where it's at culturally, not just in America, but all over the world. What made you want to be a photographer at that particular time? As you said, it seemed like there was an increase in the number of people wanting to do photography. What what happened? My dad was a big influence to why I got into the arts. He was a Vietnam War veteran, but at the same time, he was really into technology. So he was really into cameras and videotaping and different things like that. So when I was a kid, I would always want to take photos on like the disposable cameras. I would try to get those 3D cameras, those panoramic cameras. I really liked experimenting with that at a young age. But I didn't really consider it as a full career. And my parents let me go to Parsons in New York because I'm originally from the high desert in Victorville, California. Going from there to New York City was like a big shift for me. I didn't really think that I would be a photographer, say. I just wanted to work in the photography realm. But I wanted to major in photography because I wanted to focus my energy to something that I really wanted to do. But I think it was after the fact where I saw people recognizing the stuff that I was doing, not only as like a photographer, but as almost a career director to direct my own shoots because I wanted to be like a photo editor for Time Magazine. 
that was something that I really wanted to kind of work towards because I knew that's something that I could do with my degree. But I never thought it would flip the other way until Time Magazine asked me to shoot a cover for them. Since then, it kind of all snowballed. What did they see at Time Magazine of your work that made them think you'd be right for them? And what did you shoot for them? I shot the weekend for an international cover, 2016, 2017. Paul Milkley, he saw my work at the show that we had for Parsons because they have a BFA show. They had it at Milk Studios. And it's kind of like a big event that they have in, in the city in Manhattan. I won, along with two other people, best of show for that class. So I think he saw my work that way. And that's how we connected after that. What was the image? What did you shoot for the show? It was an image from this book that I'm working on, or this thesis, 9548, which kind of talks about the relationship between my dad and, and me, with him being 20 in the Vietnam War and the Black Power Movement and me being 20 now kind of going through this same resurgence in, in media and how it's kind of shifting in, in the same realm with everything going with Black Lives Matter as well. So it's, it's something that I was working on. And it was like a portrait of a guy wearing a do-rag, but he was dressed like he was in the 70s, but it kind of had this urban feel. So your dad, let's talk about him. You said he was in the Vietnam War mm -hmm. and you were living up in the high desert in California. And he was also involved in the Black Power movement of those days, the Black Panthers, or was it in Oakland? or where? Well, my dad's originally from Kentucky, from Louisville, Kentucky. He got drafted in the war because he was working at IBM before. And he decided to take the Air Force route, which I guess was more not being on the field. He ended up getting on the front line. When he finished that, he came back to California and he started a coalition with a lot of other Black soldiers and people with different religions to have a safe haven to kind of be themselves at and have these discussions that are going on throughout the world. Because when he came back from the Vietnam War, America was a different place than when he left. It was inspiring to see his initiative for communal support, not only for people to get together, but also for people to really feel seen and, and have their words be heard. When he came back, was it the Civil Rights Movement or Martin Luther King marching? Or? No, it was the war on drugs. That's when he came back. It was during that time. You feel like you're continuing the legacy. I've seen some of the photos, which you're actually paying homage to his photos by casting similar people in, in today's world that replicates images that he had created. Is that part of what you're doing in the book? Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the photos that he has, I call them characters because of, I guess, in the 70s, the way people dressed was so different on you know their own personal style. I think that was really reflected. That was super inspiring to me seeing people in my own community as well. So that's where that inspiration comes from. Is he still alive, your dad? Yeah, he's still alive. So he's, I'm sure, very proud of you. He feels like uh, you're really carrying on his work in many ways as a photographer and also as an activist. I know you've organized to help raise money in the group Seen in Black. Yeah, Seen in Black. He's really proud of me. I think he can see his inspiration in everything that I'm doing, and he's really proud of that. Seeing Black is an organization that I started with my other friend, Joshua Kissing, me and him are co-founders. It's a coalition of Black photographers that kind of act as that same safe haven. We're not representing these artists, but we are all saying that we all are in this together, in this push for how the world is shifting now with media. Well, let's talk about that. Shifting in media to the extent that, you know, as I mentioned in my introduction, that a lot of these previously boarded up institutions, corporate and otherwise, 
have basically profited off of black culture, whereas, you know, not really working with the creators, it would be very difficult for people to break in. So do you think that things are changing now significantly? Yeah, 100%. It's giving more visibility in a more direct way as like a unit for people to not only find photographers they've never heard of, especially in America, because of everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement kind of originated here, but also taking in the different perspectives that each of us as a Black photographer bring, not only as us all being Black, but as our humanistic and our own personal differences that make us all unique in our own. And I think that was so important to kind of have in there so everyone's not pigeonholed into just doing Black assignments per se. Even from now, I know a few of the photographers that were on that list have shot time covers now and doing really other great things. But yeah, and I know you're, you've mentioned this, and I think it's it's something worth thinking about, though maybe it's a little premature, who knows? Uh, what I'm referring to is using black photographers to shoot black people is something, right, that is happening now. The next stage is you sort of have to give up some of your identity politics in one hand because you also want to be recognized as just for your work, right? Not just only for your identity. And it's probably going to be a lot harder for them to start thinking of you and, and other people of color to work in those contexts. No, exactly. I, I think that's very true, for sure. But does that matter to you in a way? Jamel Shabazz did brilliant work shooting street, t totally street photography, right? He was exclusively shooting people of his world as seen mm -hmm. on the street, obviously giving props to their fashion and, and sensibility. Today, we look back at them and go, wow, look, and, and that's a whole other story that has been coming up, the hidden history of black fashion, black art, all this stuff that hasn't been recognized up until now. But he's made himself known and famous in the context of just shooting this one particular thing you're trying to do something bigger than that or not bigger let's i don't want to you know make a judgment on it but let's say different yeah i mean i think it's super important for people of color and black people to see ourselves in our own light by shooting our own people too but i also think yeah it's making it bigger than that to not just have it pigeonholed because i know you know it could only be a photographer that would only shoot black assignments but they're interested in doing a plethora of things. I think that's the most important part of understanding that, yes, it's very important. And I stand for it. And with my work too, that I, I've been doing that even with my own work, I've noticed probably um, I was getting kind of pigeonholed into doing the same type of assignments. And I think that it was good for editors to kind of see that the opportunity should be brought to everyone, not just based on the color of their skin and what it can make for the brand or for them to look good, but it's also seeing it as these are all artists in their own right that stands to how we see what they're interested in and the differences between all of us kind of as a collective and not just us as black photographers, but young photographers, up and coming photographers and how representation on all fronts is the most important thing. Yeah, it's interesting how you use the term pigeonhole because that's how everything works in the publishing world in general, and probably in a lot of the creative industries, where aside from the issues of, of color, but just, okay, this guy likes to shoot, you know, he's good for sports, or let's get a woman to do the woman because she's a woman and they'll relate better, etc. There's a lot of that going on anyway, 
beyond this this aspect of color. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say, would you feel comfortable shooting, let's say, a country music person who you don't really connect with culturally? Is that something you would do? No, I mean, I feel like it has to pertain to what you're interested in. Like me shooting CR Selena Gomez, I think is different than what people would expect. But those people have affected my life in positive ways. And I, I think that they're allies for everything that I'm about to, which I think is the most important part. It's building those connections and, and building that collaboration that I think furthers the conversations that need to happen. I'm just curious in your professional approach, you have Selena Gomez, you have Sia, you have Naomi Osaka, which I saw you also shot. How do you approach an assignment like that? Do you research it? Do you come in with a preconceived idea? Do you sketch it? Tell me a little bit of how you work on each of these. So I think a lot of it is collaboration and what I'm very keen on with my work in general. Like for Sia, for example, Nicola Formichetti, who was a stylist, I already had a similar idea what he wanted to bring to the table with his styling. And I approached it in a way visually how we could create these images of her that were timeless, but also felt more advanced than what she would normally do. Which one was that? Was that the Selena? Or that was the, the Sia, yeah, for, for Vogue, for Vogue yeah. Australia. And the way I approached that was just in any way we connected on the music that I was playing. She wanted to listen to hip hop the whole time, which was interesting to me and up my speed too. So we connected on that as a base and we just vibe. We had a connection and we flowed through it. I come with preconceived thought, you know, I come with a mood board ready. I come with references that I pull from things that I see that I like. Lately, I've been shooting on a lot of colored gradients and different backdrops that can kind of reflect with the clothing that we did. For Selena, it was more of a conceptual thing because we were inspired by Frida Kahlo and we kind of wanted to create a modern day version of that. For that, there was more collaboration on the role that was taken there as a more historical route versus Sia was kind of more abstract and kind of more with the vibe. But even with Selena Gomez, we connected on, we were both cancers, um, we were both the same star sign. So I think we connected from that off the jump and we just really vibed and we shot. We both had this really down-to-earth demeanor, but at the end of the day, we had a concept kind of going out, but to kind of making it comfortable so we can get this part of the person that we're shooting that you kind of never have seen before. And then Naomi? Yeah, Naomi was a little different. She was a little more shy, and kind of more reserved. She's not used to that getting photographed all the time. Yeah, she's not. But I think she was really excited on just the chance to do something different and seen in a different light that she's not usually in. You know, in that book that we referred to earlier, The New Black Vanguard, Photography Between Art and Fashion. So what is art and fashion and, and also your personal work? Maybe it's art, you would think of that as art. So what is the difference for you in your approach to those the work that you might do for like a Nike or somebody versus something that you would do for yourself, kind of an art piece that, that you may go into your book or somewhere else? I think for like something like that, I mean, there's a level of commercialism and consumerism that I think overlines the whole thing. You know, believe it or not, you, you know, you're trying to sell something at the end of the day for editorial, for commercial work. You approach it in a collaborative way, but it's more so a marketing approach and how you can kind of combine this marketing with something that is aesthetically pleasing and something that's different with a feeling. I think in some cases you can really create authentic work through pairing these worlds together with art and fashion. But I think at the same time, there's always an end goal for that fashion photo. 
at the end of the day for what select is made versus an outtake that would be more artful that wouldn't showcase the clothes as well as something else would, if that makes sense. Even for like fashion and art, how for art, you can shoot whatever you want for how the looks will be created. But for fashion, it would have to be all the same brand, has to be approved through different levels of things. A lot of more components, I think, are headed to that than me, you know, for what I did for my thesis show is shooting my friends, kind of me styling them myself and shooting them really kind of raw and like not using a team at all. I think that's the biggest thing that I noticed through how I differentiate the two as well. Unless I'm coming with a complete concept of why I'm, I'm lighting something the way I want to for my personal work. Usually I think my most memorable things to me are just the ones that are the most off guard, the ones that are most in the moment and, and feel more grounded versus a commercial photo that has the senses of that, but is still selling something, if that makes sense. It does make sense, but also I'm curious about how you can bring your aesthetic, your politics, your mission into those situations when you're shooting for a brand or a company. Do they ask you, do they involve you in the choice of models or do you recommend people or how does yeah. that work? I think now it's getting more collaborative in that point of not only having the photographer just come shoot the concept, but come up with a concept as well in mind. For example, Pierre Moss Open Studios 3 that I just shot for their campaign. That was something that blended my both worlds perfectly, I believe, because for one, the cast was all street casted and there were people that, you know, weren't just all models. There were people that were in the industry. There were some of my peers in the artistic world, especially in New York. I think that really shown a sense of community. And that's what I like to share in my own personal work. But the clothes are beautiful because I think it, it matched up in a way that it created this luxury to something that is not really seen, but it still felt like grounded. You mentioned your peers, Kirby Jean Raymond of Pyre Moss, the designer, is also very much part of this community approach to his work, how he shoots it, how he presents it, his personal politics as well, I'm sure matches up with you. You mentioned that the other peers that were shot, who else was there? Who do you consider your peers? And I'm curious, is there like a sort of a group, like a crew that is happening in that world right now? You know, I'm calling them people of color that are all friends and hanging and playing and working together that we don't really know about. If you had to put together a crew, who would that be of your peers? It's just people that I've met in New York growing up here since... I was 18. Like, for example, Martina Lee, who was a jewelry designer that we shot. Ron, who is a visual painter, who was my roommate that I shot for that campaign. It was just a lot of things that kind of hit home. People that are artists and musicians that we shot too that are within that group that kind of all are in this network of people that I think just grew up during the same time. I know Kirby has been doing this for a very long time, but I know that through that the last seven years, a lot of the people that have been out of New York have grown with him too and grown throughout. We're networking across each other. I think that's the biggest thing that I think is happening. I mean, I, I don't know if per se like a crew and like definition, but I, I do think there's something happening with Black creatives, especially um, in New York and LA, in these bigger cities where we're coming together and really using our resources and, and trading that and, and really trading our ideas off each other and keeping it within the community, which I think is great. 
having been around longer than you, probably I'm probably around your dad's age, you know, we've seen things come and go where you feel like, okay, this is it, that something's really happening here. Let's say I'm thinking about graffiti when there was this whole crew and energy going into the 90s and the doors were opening and the galleries were interested and there were movies were being made and suddenly it all fell apart and nothing happened for years until later. How do you avoid that? How does one take the sort of momentum that's happening now and prevent it from just dissipating as, you know, the Black Lives Matter, you know, let's say is not as intentional as it is now if Biden wins and things hopefully get a little better and not as intense. Do you think there'll be less pressure on the corporate world, basically, that we're talking about here that's adjusting to this new reality? You know, as the pressure leaves, will they just revert back to their old ways? No, I, I don't think so. And honestly, it's, it sounds kind of silly to say this, but social media now, especially, there's this thing like Twitter that really has been a key in a lot of things that's been happening, actually, which is kind of intense. People are being outed for stuff just, you know, for the discrimination. People are, are being realized of the things that they've done, you know, in ignorant ways and non-ignorant ways. I think we're in a time now where, especially Gen Z, it's, it's sensitive. You have to be more sensitive. And I think moving forward, it's the audience that they're showcasing to isn't the same audience that was here even 15 years ago. So I don't think it's going to change. I think if anything, there's going to be more push for inclusion, but I think there's going to be an evolution of how we see that, you know, how trends kind of come back and stuff like that. But even how me growing up in the early 90s and 2000s, it felt the same way of this inclusion of these things that kind of were heavy conversations that are finally getting pushed to the ground. A lot of opportunities are being made, seeing not only where we are right now, but the future of where that lives at. Even with movies, I think Afrofuturism is something that's super important and something that I like to keep in my own work too, because there's a future beyond a struggle. And I think it's important to see what that would be envisioned like, while also pushing the barrier of kind of the things that are important in the world as well. Even if it's not Black Lives Matter isn't as on fire as it is now because everything going on and things get better, I think there's still going to be pressing issues that people will still resonate with um, and still kind of fighting to keep things in a way that's progressive. Your point about social media is very good, important, because that has undercut the influence and power of the white elite that had been running things pretty much forever. And now the tastemakers are not who they were before, like Anna Winter is not who she was five years ago even, certainly not 10 years ago, because now what's cool and is not determined by what's in Vogue magazine. It's determined by what people are, are talking about on Instagram and the other social media, because now you have people setting trends that have absolutely no access to the mainstream media. No, exactly, yeah. And honestly, I think that's amazing because I think it's finally giving a, a viewpoint of what really matters to the majority of the people. And you can see this on all spectrums, even with political things, with, with music, how people deal with that. I think social media is a very big start. I'm like, even, for example, shooting Selena Gomez and seeing all of her fan sites and all of the people, you know, kind of feel how she feels on how people really have these all different sub-genres in this kind of world. It's a lot, and, and sometimes it's hard to get out of that, but I think 
with that being said, there's no escapism of something going under the rug as much as it would back then. Definitely. The next step, or at some point, it would be great to have some ownership stake. That's where the final control comes in. So as long as the owners are who they are, we're just workers for no, them. No, exactly. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I think we're seeing a shift, uh, even with Samira being better than chief right now, Parker's Bazaar. I think we're seeing a little bit of that happening now. And even with a lot of the new Black designers like Telfar, uh, Fear of God, and, and Kirby too, I think we're kind of seeing this shift in this whole thing. How do you feel about playing the game of commercial photography, meaning climbing one mountain after another? So you've made it to Australian Vogue. So do you feel like now is American Vogue is next and then British Vogue is next? Is that part of what drives you to be recognized as, as that kind of photographer? No, I don't think so in my eyes. I mean, I'm a workaholic to the core, honestly. I love to shoot. I love to work. And I'm given opportunities that I think reflect with me, I'll take them. I say no a lot to things that I feel like wouldn't make sense for me, but I, I think what drives me is just my passion for photography to curate images and to try different things, try different techniques that I've never gotten a chance before, being able to connect with people that I wasn't able to connect with before and, and go into their world. I think that's the biggest thing that inspires me still to this day, just that connection. And uh, do you f keep up with all the music and fashion and, and those areas? Uh, you know, I know you shoot a lot of people. Do you always love their work? I keep up as much as I can. I mean, everyone that I've shot, I have reverenced their stuff so long. Everyone from Missy Elliott to Megan Thee Stallion, Pharrell, Solange, Selena Gomez, even Sia, Lakeith Sanfield, Tilda Swinton, Brad Pitt. I, I, yeah, a lot, a lot, like all those people, I like, they inspire me a lot, even growing up being able to watch their movies and listen to their music. I don't think that um, I'm on, per se, like, trend with everything that's going on with Gen Z. I mean, I barely make the cusp of it, but I feel... I feel <laughs> now you're feeling old yeah, already. I feel so far removed <laughs> from, like, even, like, my nieces are on TikTok, and I don't understand. I still don't understand that. Aspect. Like, it's, there's, like, a whole other world that I don't understand. For example, I know Naomi is kind of young, too, so... But like, you know, there's there's different things I think that I resonate with more. Music is like a hit. I mean, so I'm kind of realizing that I'm going to be stuck in my 90s ways in the music that I grew up with. But I, I do appreciate all of the new artists that are coming out too. And a few artists, I know Kendrick Lamar is doing his own thing called P. Lang. And he has some artists on there named Baby Keem and Georgia Smith that I think are really cool. There are some up and coming artists as well. Let's talk a little bit about your personal work then. When do you find time for that and how does that evolve or do you have something in mind that you want to shoot or is it all working off your dad's photos? He has a lot of photos from his era. Yeah, he has a lot of photos. I went through and made selections from them. I haven't been able to shoot as much personal work as I wanted to just because of the virus and everything that's been going on. It's just been no, kind of harder to sure. navigate with that. But I think... The last personal thing I shot, which actually is funny because it turned into a commercial job. There's a billboard in Soho for Nordstrom that I shot for them of, me, of my roommate and his sister for this hike that we go on. You know, we were in quarantine, we kind of went outside more because we were quarantined together and went on these hikes. And Nordstrom reached out to me to shoot something in my area, something personal, when I was able to shoot them. And I didn't expect it to kind of be as big as it did. 
they premiered it in the September issue of Vogue to this year. So it was pretty exciting to see these worlds collide because I think what happened with COVID, it's, it gave a pause for everything. And honestly, I, I took like a break because I was kind of working a lot. So I needed like a little separation to reignite my inspiration again. And when they asked me to shoot that, I think that kind of started it again. So I'm trying to find more time for it. I think the last thing also I did was Baby Boy was a personal series. So for that, I collaborated with Carhartt because I wanted to have like a little show and t-shirts too that I collaborated with Carhartt and Manual in New York City. They're like a organization, creative group that helps with uh, becoming photographers to have outreach and stuff like that. So sometimes when it works out right in collaborations, I'm able to create a lot of personal work. It depends on when I have the time. And I think COVID kind of messed a lot of things up for that. But I think it's getting a lot better now because people are able to shoot now in safe conditions and get tested before shoot and do everything properly. But it's been a while since I shot something. The amazing photographers who are mostly recognized wind up being able to make their personal work their professional work. There really is no difference Helmut Newton, let's say, or Ellen von Unworth, two people that come to mind. They can shoot whatever. Ellen's work is going to look like what it looks like, whether she shoots it in her studio or for herself, or if she goes out, maybe it'll be more raw. There might be some elements that aren't quite acceptable in mainstream media today, you know, in terms of the imagery. The photographers who are most successful wind up having that look that's actually the same no matter what but then on the other hand you'll have photographers like peter beard i'm thinking about who would shoot elephants because they need to get away from their work mm -hmm. their core work to just like almost clean the palette mm -hmm. and go do something entirely different from what is on their normal plate could you see yourself yeah, i definitely resonate with that i'm learning now that i'm kind of combining more of the two the more i'm able to be in the room and have my own creative say before everything happens. I think that's the biggest thing for blending that world. And I think I'm getting more of that trust, the more I can showcase that I can kind of come with different ideas. But I also agree. And I think that sometimes taking a break from just shooting fashion at all, I, I love shooting my family and I rarely get to really do it. But when I get the chance to, I love shooting them because it's not staged. It's always just something that I see and I try to recreate. There's this photo that I love of my niece, Jamira, and it's a really heated moment because her dog kind of ran off and we got her, but she was like wiping her tears off her eyes. But I took a photo of her and it looked really beautiful because it was just something different than I would normally shoot. Someone that comes from more of having people look very more softer and more vulnerable, I think. Seeing that same vulnerability, but then this also side of frustration together, I think was interesting to see that from my family and you know, to be in love with how it looks like everything else I was shooting too. I think finding that balance, I think, is the best part of everything. And you carry your camera all the time? Do you shoot like street photography as well? Yeah, I used to. I used to. I got busy last year and didn't do as much as I do, but I always have my phone on me. So I kind of shoot with my iPhone a lot too, which is interesting. I think Jürgen Teller now, he shoots a lot of his stuff with the iPhone or something like that. Which I think yeah, is kind he of. He gets. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say he gets away with murder, right? He can do anything. I, but I love it, though. I love it so much. A lot of people don't like it, but I think it's genius because this is a tool. You know, it's, it's the same thing about his contacts camera. 
I think that was a tool of, of the time. Him using the iPhone and still having his whimsicalness about it, I think is really amazing to me. Yeah, it's amazing that he can shoot fashion at all because he doesn't really do that. And it's fortunate for him. He has someone like Mark Jacobs who really is there for him, keeping him busy and loves the aesthetic. So I think that's probably another thing, finding the people who trust you, who you connect with aesthetically to allow you to do what you know, you're obviously meant to do. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I, I, I see your Nutella as an artist, you know what I mean? Yeah. From my guess, seeing him using the iPhone is probably super exciting for him, honestly. Same with Nick Knight. I remember when first kind of having better quality on iPhones, he did a whole experiment with Iggy Azalea on the iPhone. I thought it was really brilliant to push these medias. And even for me, like I'm a, I'm a film head at the, you know, at the core, but I'm learning how to shift digital in kind of a way that feels like my own kind of world. And do you shoot film too? Yeah, since I think three years ago, I've been shooting a lot more film. Like most of my work is film now. But I mean, moving film, like pictures, you know, movies or... The funny thing is when I first started photography, I was just doing only video. But I took a break from it because it was a lot of work, honestly. I think with photo, I was able to create my... Whatever I wanted in my head more seamlessly without having to have a big crew. But I, I, I'm getting more into it. I, I did a music video on Zoom, actually, for Ryan Destiny. I directed it. And that was different, but it was nice. I enjoyed doing it. And I'll direct here and there. I have something coming out soon again in the music video. And I think I like music videos because, you know, it reminds me growing up watching VH1 and MTV and 106 in Park and seeing all those videos and being inspired by that. I have yet to do something more full feature, but that's something that I also want to do as well. I'm not a photographer, by the way, but I've taken a lot of photos and shooting, you know, I feel like the iPhone, I hate the iPhone because it doesn't give me that sense of, of having a camera. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. does so many other functions among them. It's, it's a camera, but I love to have a real camera that I just carry in my pocket. And I feel like that now I'm, now I'm being a photographer, but obviously it's different for you because that's your profession. So it's the opposite, right? So the iPhone becomes kind of like a great little toy that you could have fun with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my toy exactly. is the camera. <laughs> the opposite of that. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Micaiah Carter for speaking with me and letting me into your mind so that I you know, have a better understanding of your work. And I look forward to seeing more. And congratulations on all the money that you raised. I saw you raised over $500,000 for your Black in America campaign. Yeah, yeah. We, it was really outstanding. And I'm really kind of taken back by how much support that we got with everything. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, mind-blowing. Well, congratulations and thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at shopburb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.